You're listening to Once, episode 175, Shattered Sight. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. Thank you very much for joining us. If you want to comment on the things that we're discussing in this episode, then do so at the comments over at oncepodcast.com slash 175. This was a great episode, and the more I watched this episode, the more I liked it. I would agree. In our initial reactions, I was a bit skeptical of how they ended the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. With the whole, just suddenly, oh, what have I done? I'm going to reverse everything now. That's still a little bit hokey to me, but I appreciate it (laughs) a lot more and like, in general, like the way that they ended this. I think that more of the transition was happening than it felt like while she was choking Anna. (laughs) Yes. I think on first watch, it felt like, oh, it's changing her mind. It's changing her mind. And then, and then she like takes a magical swipe at Anna and it felt so violent that I thought, oh, no, she didn't change her mind. But then she picked up the letter and she did. So I think that part threw me. But otherwise, knowing what was coming, watching (laughs) it again, it felt a little more like she was making that transition the way we thought she should. I thought that was a beautiful scene. What I realized is she's not choking Anna enough that Anna can't talk. And the first thing, once she let Anna go, she grabbed the letter to see if she was lying or not. So I think she was just trying to figure out whether what Anna was saying was true. Now, one thing interesting with this, looking at the timeline, is when it starts out going to the past first, we'll discuss that first. In Boston, 1982 is when Ingrid came through. And that is a year or up to a year and a half before Storybrooke came. Because Storybrooke Mm -hmm. came in 1983. If you take 2011 and just subtract 28 years, it's 1983 when Storybrooke came, October. So she's there a year ahead of time, and that gives us timeline reference for what was happening in the past in Enchanted Forest. But here in the present... (laughs) <laughs> the the gangsters are not quite gangsters but the <laughs> the people on the side <laughs> what an interesting group to greet <laughs> the gangsters well i do question whether another group of people would be any different in their greeting of somebody looking like that popping into our world hey princess <laughs> <laughs> i the timeline just confuses me so i'm just i'm probably not going to comment very much on it yeah the part that confuses me there is when we think about how it fits in with the timeline in the past in enchanted forest if this is one year before the curse that doesn't quite mess up but maybe maybe the wizard or at least the apprentice is capable of sending people through time i'm not going to get into that much more but (laughs) moving on then to 19 i thought we established that already though Potentially, yeah. Oh, okay. 1999, Richfield, Minnesota. Or Minnesota, if you want to get stereotypical. Mm. Who doesn't? I wondered if Ingrid was the one that first got Emma into drinking hot cocoa with cinnamon. I thought that. 
they were going to say that when she first mentioned hot cocoa, but I don't want to think that. Partially because Henry liked his hot cocoa the same way already when he met Emma. Yeah. I like it being a family thing. Yeah, because Snow did that too. Yeah, that's right. Not in Enchanted Forest, but in Storybook, Mary Margaret did. It was cute though. Like it was a cute, I, I thought that scene was really good. It gave us a lot of context to Emma and to her relationship with Ingrid slash, I guess she was Sarah Fisher back then. Actually, Um, no, I think she was still Ingrid because when Emma saw her in one of the flashbacks later on, when Emma saw her in the ice cream shop, Emma called her Ingrid. That's true. Okay. So Sarah Fisher was her storybrooke alias. Right. Interesting. Because everybody's got to have two names. Yeah. You just have to. It's it's part of the, it's the culture. (laughs) Yeah. Ingrid was so likable in those Mm -hmm. scenes. I wish... It would have been nice if she could have just stayed that way, although we wouldn't really have our show. But <laughs> um, my one complaint about that whole sequence, we it was cool to see what we saw on the camcorder, but actually like we were there, only she didn't look into the camera and smile, at least that I saw, which is what we saw on the footage that Emma pulled yeah. out of the box. Yeah. It's the whole thing you- of filming things with multiple cameras and redoing and retaking I know, and stuff. But since they... F- did a freeze frame of her looking into the camera and smiling. And we saw it in multiple episodes. I was looking for it. I was like, oh, here's where she takes the camera and and, and puts it straight down and doesn't smile into it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was an alteration she added later. Yeah. Because she wanted Emma to see it. We'll just say that. I liked her shrinking, Emma. I liked her whole, there are 15, you know, subconscious signs that a, a kid gives when they're going to run away. But she's treating her like an, like an adult. Like, I liked that. Um, she's I done her homework was... too. <laughs> oh, she's probably been having kids in and out of there for the past eighteen years. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. You showed seven, seven of those signs. I'd be interested to learn more about that. <laughs> Number eight is when you freak out when you get dragged in front of a car and told to use magic. That's a that's one of the surest signs that you're going to run away. And when yeah. you don't use magic, that's a sign that you're going right. to run away. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the scene with the claw, <laughs> one thing that I think everyone the noticed, acme claw, yeah, is that Emma got a dalmatian from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the ring, we've seen that ring before. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. talking about. Aaron, enlighten us. Ooh. Oh, I just remember that we've seen it before in her like box of treasures, I think. Yeah, it was in the episode Breaking Glass when she was uh, sitting in the sheriff's office and Hook came in. He started going through that box and mm. he pulled out Emma's glasses. He pulled out the ring and mm. he looked at it, kind of smiled slightly. And she, when she saw it, looking back at that scene... Mm-hmm. Now I see a look of, I don't really know why that's in there. Oh, funny. Which makes sense because her memories <laughs> of that ring would have been erased. But it hmm. is the exact same ring that was in that box. It's cute when they do stuff like that. I sometimes wish they'd do it a little further back than when they already know what the storyline is. Like they did that a lot in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like they would connect stuff from four seasons ago to the current season because they knew where they were going with the storyline, I guess. So it would have been nice if like we saw that ring in season one when she first got her stuff 
And then now it's like, oh, there's this whole backstory instead of like, yeah, we saw it three weeks ago when we already knew the Snow Queen was here. Yeah, from a slightly critical perspective, it seems that what they do with the writing on Once Upon a Time is they only think one season at a time and mm-hmm. not necessarily multiple seasons. And sometimes only half a season. Only half a season. <laughs> Although they do know how they want to end this. So maybe a year from now or whenever the series <laughs> ends, we're going to look back and say, wow, they really connected things. Like maybe they had all in mind that Rumpel would cleave himself from the dagger and would run wild in New maybe. York City. Although, and I, I don't worry, won't spoil, but in the case of Lost, we figured out later, it was basically one scene was the big end that they had planned. And how they got there, sometimes, to some, felt a little uh, random. Right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, it must be hard when showrunners don't know the end. Like, they don't know how many seasons they get to get to the end. Because they, like, there's masterminds creating these shows, and then they have to know, well, you at least have to know what season's going to be the last season to properly wrap up your show. Right. We're at a point now where one of the best things that could probably happen to Once Upon a Time is to actually get an end date, however far out that might be. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see it get one more season after this and that they know it will be the last season because that would be five seasons, Mm -hmm. five good solid seasons, and then they can bring it to really neat close in the next season. I think that could be the direction they're going, maybe. But that's that's really big picture stuff. Tuning in back down to the very fine details, (laughs) the adoption (laughs) agency that... Sarah, or actually Ingrid, was working with was called Twin Cities Adoption Services, which doesn't actually exist. However, it does exist on, (laughs) this is very out there, it does exist on sample resume templates (laughs) on (laughs) livecareer.com. Well, all right then. (laughs) That's all I could find when I searched for it. Well, that's probably how Ingrid got her identity. She probably went online and searched for sample resumes and then used them as her own so that people would entrust her with their children. (laughs) So maybe that is where that came from. Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) But then as they go on to play chicken with the car and all of the Harry Potter references there. So patience in this moment was not Ingrid's strong suit. No. (laughs) Maybe not so much of love necessarily either to say, here, come stand in front of this car coming toward us. A couple little things have happened. It's time. It's time. I just got this idea when I saw that car turn the corner. Let's go jump in front of it. Yeah, it's kind of like saying to your son, oh, you're getting hair on your chest. It's time for you to get married. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I have no response to that. (laughs) She, She definitely jumped the gun on that. I was also, I think, like, because of the, that they actually put the year, they saved themselves. But I was skeptical of the Harry Potter references in general, just because I was, I think, 10 or 9 or 10 when Harry Potter came out. And then Emma is that much older than me. And then they're expecting that she's supposed to know who Harry Potter is. But they did put the year, so... They've just messed up Emma's age in all of the flashbacks this season. They talked about Harry Potter when she was with Lily, too. Yeah. Well, the first Harry Potter book came out in 1997. And this is 1999 that things are happening. We don't know actual 
dates in 1999, but we know that like the scene with the car happened. I think she said a week from when they were at the carnival with the claw. And this is probably a total of six months after Emma first started to try to run away because that was her first night there when she tried to run away and then discovered Kevin hates spiders, (laughs) which maybe that's a home alone (laughs) reference there too. But (laughs) then six months later, she runs away from Ingrid with this car incident and the six months I'm getting that from when they found those files inside of Ingrid's snow uh, mobile in the forest. (laughs) Emma said, I stayed there for six months. Yeah, the thing that's throwing me off with the timeline is just that Emma told Hook she was, I think she said 12 or 13 when she stayed with Ingrid. And really, this makes her 16, which makes her one year off from Tallahassee. And yeah, it's okay. there are a lot of things that don't make sense about the timeline to me all the time. So yeah. And if she, yeah, and if she was really 12 when she was living with Ingrid, then Harry Potter wouldn't have existed yet. Yeah. Minor things. <laughs> well, then what happens next in the flashbacks is in 2011, it's the uh, the year probably that Regina got Henry. Or, yeah, 2001, not 2011. And that's when Ingrid then magically enters Storybrooke and starts to set up shop. So she's there for 10 years before Emma meets her in Storybrooke. Ooh, yeah, which she mentioned later is why she didn't age. Right. But if people from the outside don't age, then why is Henry not a baby? Or it could really be she doesn't age because she's magical. Yeah. Well, because time is frozen. Oh, yeah. But, oh. (laughs) No, because Henry still aged. But she was born in In... Enchanted Forest or in in the fairy tale world. Hmm. Not in our world like Henry was. But that's 2001. And Emma comes in 2011, in October-ish, 2011. And that's when this last flashback scene that we get is in the ice cream shop. It says specifically November 2011. Right. So that's a month after Emma came. And this is before Graham died. Emma started wearing that jacket in the fourth episode of Once Upon a Time called The Price of Gold. And then several episodes after that, we saw her wearing it as well. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those times, either during episode four or up until just before episode seven, this is in that short span of episodes when this is happening because Sheriff Graham is still around and Emma's wearing that jacket that she has gotten from the rest of her clothes. And she is not Sheriff yet. So actually, I think that places this... It must have had to have been between episodes four and five, because in episode five was when Emma was deputized. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see her wearing any kind of badge here in this episode. I don't remember how prominent she made it. It, She she, latched it onto her belt. And I don't, if if she was deputized, I don't think she would have threatened to call Sheriff Graham. She would have just taken care of the problem herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right around the price of gold. Now, you know, the more, you know. Her hair like magically grew about six inches in between <laughs> the price of gold and this. But uh, again, small, small continuities. Before we move on to talking about the present day in Storybrooke, I want to thank some people who have made this episode of the podcast possible. We really could not do this without your support. Specifically for this episode, 
Thank you to Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, David Newland, and our new Patreon backer, Holly Brown. We really appreciate the support. It covers our expenses for running the podcast, which are very high, and we appreciate every little bit that you can contribute. So thank you, Steve, Lisa, David, and Holly. All of these are subscribers in a way that they are donating on a consistent basis. We offer three ways that you can support the podcast. You can donate a one-time donation of any amount. You can donate a per-month donation of any amount. And what helps us the best is those monthly donations that are automatic and keep coming even when we're not podcasting as frequently, but we still have all the same expenses. But you can also donate per episode like Holly Brown chose to do through Patreon. And now that brings us up to 12 Patreon backers. And we're at $24.50, almost to that $25 level that we have set over there. If you'd like to check out the options for supporting the podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. The other way that you can support us that doesn't cost you anything extra is if you plan to do any kind of shopping on amazon.com, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and click on the appropriate Amazon link there. I put in a link for Amazon US, Amazon Canada, and Amazon UK. If you need another country, just let me know and I can give you that link. But that's an easy way that if you purchase anything through that link, we get a portion of that four, six, six and a half, seven percent back for the podcast. And it really helps us. If there's any other online store where you'd like to shop and you want us to get a portion of that, let me know. I might have an affiliate relationship with them too, but I know everybody loves Amazon and that's a great place to shop too. And we like using Amazon as well. So you can check out all of those options for how you can support us at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Even if you're not able to give anything that you faithfully come back and listen week after week, month after month, episode after episode, and send us feedback that matters a lot to us. So thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you. Moving on to the present. The first thing that we see is, uh, well, Ingrid's walking through Storybrooke as this havoc is going on around here. And we zoom in on some of that havoc. And by havoc, we mean a really low energy bar fight in the street. (laughs) (laughs) It just keeps going and going. And it's, starts to break out there inside of the sheriff's office. The dynamic here going on between Snow and Charming is great. They're just this all like, oh, yeah, well, you kind of thing. (laughs) It was so good. But I loved every single second of the sheriff's office in this episode. (laughs) It's nice that we have such extraordinary actors on the show that can like legitimately pull off being Snow White and then being like dark Mary Margaret at in like with the flip of a hat and, you know, Regina and evil queen and charming. Like they were all so good as their dark self. Yeah. She was even creepy a little bit. Yeah. I killed yeah. the evil queen's mother. Mommy <laughs> right. said, sorry, didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> How come Kristoff wasn't violent though? Well, he was chained to the desk. He couldn't really do much. Wow. He wasn't violent later either. She was, I was questioning how close Anna was getting to him. And then I realized both of his hands were chained. So at first I didn't think he was cursed. Yeah. At first I didn't either. It took me a while to figure out that he was some, some people maybe just like grumpy. Didn't seem a whole lot different. Cursed. 
Maybe that's just the worst he's capable of. <laughs> Maybe. But you know, the peasants, they're awfully violent in general, as they do. <laughs> I loved um, Doc. I think it was Doc beating up Dopey, trying to get him to speak. Speak! Say something! Yeah, and this episode, I watched Dopey a lot more closely. He never <laughs> attacks anyone. He so I guess there. his worst is just sitting there thinking how stupid everyone is for talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like doing that. And bouncing back when he gets pushed over. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> he looks like he enjoys the role. Uh, that's uh, Jeffrey Kaiser plays that part, I believe. Yeah, pretty sure on that. By the way, speaking of him, there was a deleted scene that fits in actually just before this part of the conversation that it was uh, aired on Good Morning America, oh. uh, like they've been doing recently. And the deleted scene was Regina coming into the ice cream store. This is hmm. shortly after Ingrid gets there. And Regina is basically like, who are you? And <laughs> where'd you come from? I don't recognize you. And Ingrid kinds of kind of plays along, and Regina asks her, "How long have you been working this ice cream shop?" So this and, would have been a flashback, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And Ingrid said something like, "I've been working here since forever," <laughs> and that kind of convinces R- Regina. And then Ingrid it goes so far as to say something like, "It's as if," or she said, "It's funny. I don't even like the cold. It's as if." someone in another life cursed me to work here oh gosh <laughs> laying it on a little thick <laughs> yeah and regina then seems kind of content with that answer and <laughs> leaves but the reason why i mentioned dopey is while this is happening dopey is tied up gagged oh ironically right on the floor behind the register and in the past yeah, this is in the same scene Oh, before Emma has arrived, maybe, or around the time that Emma's there. Hmm. And Ingrid says something to Dopey, like, you're the mute one, right? So you're not going to say anything, but just to be sure. And then she used, I think she used the uh, memory rock on him. Oh, interesting. Weird. Yeah. I'm going to go watch that scene. I never saw it. Yeah, we'll have a link to that in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 175 that you can check it out. I'm glad they put that in because the first thing I thought when she showed up in Storybrooke was that like it would not be normal for Regina to not be all over her, like trying to figure out why she got there, how she got there, because she's been like that with every other stranger that we've ever seen come into town. Right. But at this point, it's probably something like Regina just figures, oh, I I guess I cursed a lot of people. So (laughs) you're just one of the peasants. Although I'm not sure what the logistics are of creating a new ice cream shop in town yeah. but <laughs> all before regina can notice that you're there yeah but hey oh or here's another perspective is uh, jessica mentioned that maybe dopey ran the ice cream shop i like that yeah. so that could make sense actually that makes a lot of sense why he right. was there i thought it was yeah okay that he wasn't running sense. around being a dwarf mm-hmm. he had to have something yeah that makes sense Seems like a job he would like, being around all that ice cream. I mean, he kind of looks like a children's ice cream cone with the colors that he wears. <laughs> a children's oh, ice cream cone. Bringing it back to the present, 
there in the sheriff's office as Anna starts sharing these things and like enlightening everyone on the story of the children glass. It turns out that, yes, we were right. She did have a part to play, actually multiple important parts to play in breaking the spell. Not quite what I had expected. I thought she'd somehow be a key that Ingrid wouldn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did I. But it was more just like by accident that she stumbled upon this. True. Because she read a lot in the library, right? And then has the information, but then, yeah, Regina kind of orchestrated her finding the letter. This Trollden Glass story, though, clearly does not align with the original Snow Queen story by Hans Christian Andersen. Hmm. Because in that, it was love that broke the spell. Mm. And here in the Trollden Glass, it was, yeah, kill the king. <laughs> right. Kill the <laughs> troll king. And that breaks the spell. But in a roundabout way, love also kind of broke the spell. Yeah, that's true. And in the Snow Queen, the only spell that had to be, oh, that's true. I was going to say was the frozen, there was also a frozen heart. Like Kay Kai's heart, like Gerda's tears melted his frozen heart and washed his eye or something. Right. Yeah, I got the the pieces of glass out of his eye. There was just all kinds of glass extraction happening all up in there. (laughs) But love did still kind of end this strife. Yeah. It's because love is an open door. (laughs) I What I liked about Anna explaining the legend was her saying, its origin is not important. Right. Because in some other episodes, we would waste five minutes hearing about this thing that has no importance to the episode other than the tagline at the end. Yeah. And then it just, I always feel when that happens, I always feel robbed of like valuable time that they could have used with action. And that's kind of what they did here. It's origins not important. Here's the important part. They might've given a little bit more information when Ingrid told Anna about it in the, in I almost said the cellar. It makes it sound so nice in the dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call it her room. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of dungeons, that's basically what Regina turned her vault into. Yeah. And then became the only person under this curse, apparently to suffer actual memory loss. Yep. She's like, why am I trapped in here? And what am I wearing? And it must have been the savior, not myself, who trapped me in here. Yeah. Could be a consequence of her magic in some way that she was affected differently from everyone else. Insane with rage. But it did have me thinking when she first cast that spell around herself to trap herself in, I thought, can't she just undo it? Well, I assumed she was making some sort of a spell that she couldn't undo. I'm wondering if she just cast it from, so it could only be undone from the outside. Probably. Maybe even only undone by Emma. Hmm. Why didn't she use blood magic? (laughs) Maybe she did. they're not related, Jeremy. (laughs) But it would have been the most surefire thing, (laughs) because her sister's was suddenly gone. So, you know, nobody could have gotten in. One day you're going to get over the blood magic, Jeremy. It belongs in season two. I loved her. This is what I get for being subtle because the dark curse that was so subtle. (laughs) (laughs) When Hook met with Rumple, Rumple was talking about waking up Belle in New York City. 
New York City. It made me wonder. And he also referred to the stars aligning with the stars on the hat. He said tomorrow. Right. Which, again, could have mentioned that earlier. Well, I think tomorrow for us Mm -hmm. means next episode. Well, I think so. I think so, too. Kind of stupid if it didn't. (laughs) If he succeeds with this in the next episode and makes it to New York City with... I think it could be cool if he kidnaps Henry because, you know, that's their plot twist with the seasons is at some point Henry in trouble. That's what yeah. we right. learned. But Must be Sunday. New York City. Who else came from New York City? Neil. Yeah. I wonder if they'll go back to his apartment. Well, they might. <laughs> Since it's probably being paid for for some reason. Gold's probably paying for it. He probably like grabbed that letter after Hook stabbed him and grabbed like some mail and he's like hey i'm gonna mail in the check for this every (laughs) e-pay e-bills bill pay (laughs) here's my thing with gold you can send hate to my twitter if you disagree (laughs) if gold is so hung up on being the hero why doesn't gold just be the hero like he he has enough power to be the hero he it's like he wants to be seen as the hero without actually any of the sacrifice that we know heroes have to go through I think he wants to be seen as the hero to Belle and Henry. Mm -hmm. No one else. Which (laughs) you would think that he might have some experience in how his family sees him when he's being terrible to everybody else. They might even try to leave for a land without magic. Hmm. (laughs) And also, I'm guessing that this magic he's going to try to do tomorrow slash next Sunday is probably pretty ginormous and i feel like he should know as well as anybody that magic always comes with a price yeah he doesn't ever seem to care that there's going to be a price well i think the price for this magic is what everyone else paid that has become a little star on his hat i don't like that though the price should have to be paid by the person that does the magic yeah is that not a principle i don't know it's not a principle for him He separates himself from that and he makes other people pay the price for the magic, really. Now, also in this scene, Hook questioned why he wasn't affected. And of course, because you don't have your heart, blah, blah, blah. It seems to me, and this is not necessarily without precedent either, that a person affected by this curse, which in simplistic fairy tale terms, affects sort of the eyes and the perception and the mind, it seems like a person without their heart should be worse. Mm -hmm. I think it was the question of a dark one, Cora, in the case that I'm thinking of, without her heart would be the worst kind. That was mentioned. So I feel like, you know, the curse still should have been able to take effect. It's a really good point. But establishing that rule, that (laughs) led me to question, does Rumpel not keep his heart where everyone else does? It could explain some of his choices, and it would explain why he wasn't affected. A little more than, oh, he's just powerful. I'm not sure if I want to see another instance of my heart is hidden somewhere else, because we saw that in Wonderland with Will. We saw that with Korra. I know, but it's a thing they can really do. And Regina tried to do it for a little while. In fact, you'd almost wonder... Why would he not do that? Because it's a good way to stay alive. But can he be killed by somebody taking his heart if he's the dark one? 
would then be my follow-up. With yeah. him, I think the power is all wrapped up in the dagger, not his heart. So right. yeah. the discussion about his heart, I think, is a side point, really. It's the dagger for him is the heart for everyone else. I suppose. Still doesn't answer why he wasn't affected. I think he wasn't affected because he was and is so powerful that it couldn't affect him. Eh. He's already seeing everybody through shattered sight. Well, there's that too. (laughs) The statement about the heart, though, makes me wonder, like, when Snow White... Um, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but when Snow White was fighting with Regina, Charming still seemed to be rooting for Snow White in that fight and helping her, even though he doesn't like her because of his of the curse. So I wonder if because they share a heart, if that could be why. Actually, I think that was because Regina wanted to kill mm-hmm. their baby. They both yeah. yelled at her when she threatened the baby. Yeah. So apparently they didn't have the worst impression of their baby. All you do is cry. <laughs> Which actually wouldn't even be true because the baby was just sleeping through everything. <laughs> yep. I mean, how could you possibly be mad at that baby? <laughs> well, it swaddled like a breakfast burrito. So. <laughs> That's what helps them sleep better. <laughs> One of the things, a little side note here. There's a character that we see in almost every episode of Once Upon a Time. That's a side character. It's not even a side character. They're, they are a villain. They are a, uh, what is that called? The um, Extra? Extra, yeah. Who our friend Jeff Roney over at onceuponatimepodcast.com calls Capman. There was actually in the background one of the spots where Capman looked like he had quite an attitude oh. and was trying to get away <laughs> from someone and pushing them away. And- Capman. Yeah, he's always in a cap. He's an older, darker-skinned gentleman, wears glasses. He's oh. always in a cap, kind of like you wear. The oh. cap you wear, oh. it's not the glasses you wear. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm wearing neither of those things. The other flavors, I mentioned that I wanted to look this up. The other flavors of stuff in any given Sunday, or Dairy Queen's Dairy Queen there. <laughs> raspberry sorbet, <laughs> almond, chocolate peanut butter, strawberry, and carrot sherbet. Which is completely untouched compared to everything else. (laughs) That's why she hid those things in there. Because who would eat that? That would be the health nuts who like to drink carrot juice all the time. Yeah, just because you call it carrot doesn't mean it has any actual health benefits. Spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) Ice cream is ice cream. And it should always be unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, go big or go home, right? If you're going to eat ice cream. <laughs> Cookie dough fudge men chip, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I keep forgetting that's a thing. When Emma and Ingrid were trying to cut off their ribbons, I thought it was a little <laughs> bit odd that here there's this magic of, we'll call it true love, that is unbreakable, except by true hate. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's math, though, right? Every action has a... What is it? Every action has an... Equal and opposite reaction. An opposite reaction. Yeah. So, magic is like math. Yeah. Emotional math. They do a lot of fuzzy magic on Once Upon a Time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. 
maybe I don't like how they got to that conclusion or that it goes, but I I like the result of that conclusion because it was funny. Right. <laughs> so is Regina going to take that statement to heart still, though, or is she going to understand, even though she keeps forgetting why she's wearing what she's wearing, is she going to understand that Emma was just trying to get some magic out of her? Yeah, I think she'll realize that. Giant fireball of hate. Well, she didn't, like, go put Emma in a chokehold when they reunited, so. Oh, that's true. Well, Henry was there, so. (laughs) Something else I noticed in the town is in the middle of the street during one of the scenes, actually, it was when Hook was walking through everything and when Will saw Hook. In the background, there are two waitresses from Granny's Diner because they're in their little red skirts. And there's a black guy in the middle in a solid white suit. Mm -hmm. And I've been racking my brain and trying to figure out, is that a reference to anything? Because it just really stood out to me that here's this guy in bright white clothing. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is wearing just normal, fairly fairly dark dark clothes. And he really stands out, especially with the waitresses being angry at him. <laughs> and the waitresses are in white and red, but yeah. predominantly you see the red. It's not the guy from Zippity Doodah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> that made, that made, I didn't notice that in the scene, but you explaining it makes me think of Wonderland. It does, yeah. The white king and the red queen. and Yeah, but I wouldn't think that the white king would be here. No, because he's dead. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is white and red? What, like, what other is is that significant to any other character? Or white and black? Right, since he's black, and that's that wearing solid white and Dalmatian toy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe he's a Dalmatian. <laughs> Maybe he's a Dalmatian. <laughs> um, I, know I'm, I know I'm reaching there, but if you know what that might be a reference to, because it just stands out so much to me compared to everything else that I thought there's got to be something here. I just could not figure it out. He if just you can look like a character, if you can figure it out, please comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 175. We'll have a, a screenshot there that you can look and let us know if there's anything you can figure out from that. I do have to question what Emma was thinking with, yeah, let's go free the evil queen and not lock her back up after we get her to break these bracelets. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, hopefully her hate won't destroy us, but we'll destroy the ribbons. And also, hopefully we'll then be able to stop this whole thing before Regina kills everyone in town. My parents. Yeah. <laughs> Because Regina could have gone straight to the clock tower and been like, I created this town and now I'm going to destroy it and just fireballs for everyone. (laughs) Well, the good thing about Regina is generally speaking her, she seems to be very like uh, focused on on one mission. (laughs) Uh, The whole curse to get back at Snow White. Case in point. Uh, But Emma, yeah, Emma makes some interesting choices often but in this episode like i didn't mention it earlier but even just hey are you good with babies take my brother that you have no magic you are in a room with three people infected by the dark curse my parents just entrusted like their most precious possession to me because i have magic and they know i can protect my brother but here anna 
I just met you, but you seem really nice. You you take care of my brother. As yeah. they're running away, Anna is even questioning whether they should trust Emma because they just met. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was, you know, Anna was trusting Emma with Elsa and Emma was trusting Anna with Neil. Right. But then I'm also going to let go, let the queen out and hope that she doesn't then go attack my parents where yeah, my baby <laughs> brother is. Ash made a good suggestion. She said, basically, why couldn't Elsa just ice the doorway like Snow Queen had done? Uh, Chris sent this feedback in saying, Emma figuring out Regina's hate was an antidote to the love of the ribbons was clever and a satisfying end to the ribbons. The resolution of what was in the bottle was equally as satisfying. I really didn't see this coming. Who knew Gerder kept those memories and would want everyone to get them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that next thing that we see happen is that Regina poofs Anna and Kristoff to the beach, the closest they can get to uh, to their land, Arendelle. And that's where the bottle is. And it's another one of those things where Anna just accidentally was the solution to all of this. But their dialogue is still great. Mm-hmm. We'd theorized before the spell came whether Henry would be affected because of what Gold had said about Belle and Henry. And it looks like Gold just put Belle to sleep because all we saw from her, her excellent acting, was just she was sleeping. (laughs) And he even referred to when she wakes up in New York. So it sounded Mm -hmm. like he made her sleep for a long time. And he was planning to put Henry to sleep as well, not to kill him. A couple seasons ago. (laughs) So Henry was affected, though, by this. Yeah. I forgot for the first half of this scene why he was being like that. I thought maybe just he's scared and he thinks Hook's trying to, like, get into him. And so he's just being mean to him. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's actually affected by that. That's funny. Um, I was like, oh, truth comes out. Right. (laughs) And he wasn't born in the fairy tale land, like everyone else was, except for Neil and Snow White's baby out there somewhere, and a couple other babies out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, does it seem like Regina's magic is not as powerful as we used to believe? I think it depends on the episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, it's hard to tell whether it's the people fighting it that make it seem kind of weak or. Or just her magic. Because here, I guess, Hook just used a potion to get through her protection spell there. Well, it was Rumpel's potion. It was yeah. Rumpel's potion. and But that might make Emma pretty darn powerful at this point. Because at the vault, she defeated the spell that Regina made so that she couldn't even do it. Mm-hmm. Unless it was the whole one-sided thing. But <laughs> yeah. Have we seen a containment spell like that before? Yeah. Oh, a gold shop in the Queen is Dead. Right. Or we've, the Miller's Daughter. We've seen it, yeah, a couple times. So I'm just thinking of who defeated them before. But Emma is the savior. She is supposed to have a lot of magic. I think the thing is that she doesn't know how to use it very well. Or doesn't quite know of what she's capable. Right. Because she did have to, you know, she had to take two on that one. It would have been cool, as several have said in the chat room during this and some of the other feedback we received. It would have been really cool if we saw Emma sword fighting against Regina or someone else while holding baby Neil. 
Yeah, and really, yeah. they definitely could have done that with snow. Yeah, which would have been good parallel to <laughs> charming doing it before. Maybe they thought it would have been awkward. Yeah, I maybe think they it even tried it. <laughs> it. It probably would have been because the love wouldn't have been there, right? Because I think looking back at that first or that scene in the first episode. There was a lot of love mm-hmm. there, love yeah. for the baby, love for each other, love for the kingdom mm-hmm. and wanting to save the kingdom. Yeah, it wouldn't have been nearly as moving. That whole scene was half comical. When Emma and Elsa visited Ingrid, I thought the whole thing of the the loophole here was interesting. And I think I'm OK with it. The loophole of you can't make someone love you, but if you give them back their good memories of mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, because yeah. the love was there. And if you take out the bad, there's no if you can remove memories at all, there's no reason you can't take out just the bad memories. And even in Frozen, there was some memory filtering and changing that happened. Yeah, yeah I figured that that would be criticized, that line. And at first I was pretty... um skeptical of it as well but then i realized she's not actually working with love she's just working with memories Mm -hmm. so she's saying yeah i can make you love me again magic can do that but magic is doing that by giving them back their memory not by actually affecting their heart right although when emma still had all of her memories and she saw ingrid and storybrooke in one of those flashbacks emma was not loving but she saw the bad parts yeah. Well, that's part of what Ingrid gave her, too. Or did Ingrid only give her the good memories back? See, I don't know. She said that she would only get the good memories. Yeah. Maybe well, she, she got everything in the end. I don't know. I think she got everything because she, she used both stones, right? She said one stone contained the good and one stone contained the bad. Uh, no, I thought I th- it was one for per- each person. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. she might not remember running away or the car whole the whole car thing you know (laughs) or in hindsight she'll realize oh yeah now that i have magic i see Mm -hmm. what you i see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) but we'll come back to this scene to talk about that because other stuff is going on at the same time like when the evil queen comes and visits everyone there in jail it's nice little reunion for a moment (laughs) she refers to the two idiots again yeah yes I liked that Snow still had protective instinct for Neil. Yeah, Snow and Charming. Yeah, both of them. It just affected Snow more because she was the one having to fight the evil queen. (laughs) I wonder if the spell affected the baby at all. I'm going to see the worst in you by sleeping through all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Baby's like, I'm not really asleep. I'm just disinterested. Wait till you see what I left for you in my diaper. (laughs) Then you'll see how evil I can be. (laughs) Grown ups. (laughs) I didn't think I'd ever see loose files being thrown through the air as a distraction in a sword fight between (laughs) Snow White and the evil queen. (laughs) Yeah. Who does that? I thought I thought that was like the evil queen shouldn't I don't know where Regina learned how to sword fight, but Snow White should be way better at it than her, which she like Snow pointed out. I only have to hit you once. (laughs) Um, Well, it's been some time. Yeah. And she had a baby. She had a baby. She's still recovering from that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I did. I loved the you said no magic. You said you could keep a secret. I was dead. (laughs) <laughs> finally 
that's basically what we said through that whole thing like hey lady that was a kid (laughs) you really are holding a grudge against a child that they could laugh so heartily afterward (laughs) was great and i think shows really where the relationship actually is right (laughs) i was half expecting snow and regina to just hug each other laughing that's actually what i thought was going to happen um just their like body language said that and then i was just like maybe that's too soon like maybe they're not there yet but that's what i was half expecting to happen and we were all laughing i think at that point (laughs) well going back to emma and elsa with ingrid this was quite an emotionally charged scene and you guys are pretty satisfied with how it ended yeah i'd say so and the score that played during Ingrid's sacrifice was amazing. I loved that. I know some people thought it was a little bit corny, but I loved oh. that. Yeah. They do not often use uh, like vocals in their scores in this show. And the only other time I remember Mark Isham using vocals uh, was in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And that was the Will and Anastasia kind of love theme song. And I loved that one too. So I think it's just so unique of a thing that they do that it just kind of pulls pulls you in. He also used vocals when when Rumpel was beating up Mo French and also <laughs> beating up oh. everything that was in Rumpel's castle when it was going back and forth between flashback and present day. That was another emotional emotional one, right? vocal score, yeah, in season 1. Oh, cool. In yeah. Skin Deep. We got this feedback from Alina saying, "Quote Gerda what have I done? I need to reverse this. And then Alina says, don't kill yourself, Ingrid. <laughs> this scene, incredible. What courage. Ingrid loved her sisters. All she wanted was love. The letter gave her that. The sisters running on the field. I love the score playing. Such beauty. Elizabeth Mitchell, you stole my heart and broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Alina said. Chris said, this had to be the best ending to a villain. Ingrid sacrificing herself for everyone after how evil she was. I can't even put into words how amazing it was. And yes, this is what I realized in rewatching this is, wow, this is really the first villain who has taken full responsibility. Right. Not just, I'm sorry, let's be friends. Right. Taken full responsibility, paid the full price for this. Yes. I, I love when she says, I am not, or I am a monster. Not because of my powers, but because of what I let them turn me into. Yes. So that is like the epitome of evil isn't born, it's made. And then adding on to that, that it's about the choices that we make. Chris further said, here at the end and knowing her whole story, she's definitely the best villain yet. This was such an amazing ending. Regina and snowing, laughing about Regina wearing the evil queen outfit was great. (laughs) Rumple walking down the street putting on his coat to end the episode was just unnerving next week is going to be phenomenal (laughs) and so chris gave this seven out of five pet rocks (laughs) nice score chris (laughs) one way to think of the memory stones i guess well no and emma asked if it was her pet rock in the in the uh flashback when she took it out in uh 2011 in story <laughs> yeah you know pet rocks were maybe maybe kind of a 90s thing 
It really was a beautiful episode. And then seeing like back in the town when it starts snowing and everyone uh, starts hugging again, <laughs> grumpy and or not grumpy doc and granny were fighting over a crossbow and then they hug and then dopey yeah. having fun with the snow and characters sneezy was just sneezing over and over again on grumpy. And that's what they were fighting about rolling on the ground. Is grumpy was saying, stop sneezing on me. And then uh, the score and everything was the same as I think it was the season one finale when they're all in the street and they've just gotten their memory back and Snow and Charming are reunited. Yeah, probably. Which is kind of how I knew it was going to take the the downturn <laughs> in a moment <laughs> and we were going to see what else. Uh, all that snow kind of made me think of something Doctor Who fans will understand. There were a lot of uh, Christmas specials where it snowed and that wasn't really a good thing. Possibly not really even snow for various reasons. <laughs> this was really snow, but I feel like it came from the Snow Queen and Dopey was eating the Ingrid snow. <laughs> yeah. I was a little grossed out. Well, it was to wash their eyes clean of the curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> I... Don't know if I expected Henry to do this, but I would have liked if he did, and maybe he will in the next episode, say something like, hey, moms, I just want to tell you, by the way, Hook came to your office when I was trapped in there. He didn't really seem cursed. I trapped him with my marbles, and I just want to tell you that because something's weird about Hook wanting to kidnap me while we were all cursed. He'll pick up the phone, dial 911, and say, two guys robbed this toy store. Mm -hmm. And they're yes. after me now. They'll be in the park, Central Park. Look for fireworks. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wrong movie. <laughs> that is kind of what it reminded me of when he had the marbles all sitting there, though. I thought it was really ironic when Hook came back to Gold's shop, this last scene here, that Gold pointed out that Hook failed to kidnap a child. And he said it like, that is villain 101. Yeah. How do you fail at that? Well, and that's Hook villainry number 101. In this scene was when we saw Belle actually asleep, that brief moment. And like I mentioned earlier, I wonder, I think it's reasonable to assume that Gold placed a spell on her to make her sleep. It yeah. makes me wonder if he did that same spell, maybe accidentally on baby Neil, because baby Neil slept through this whole mm. thing too. I don't know. Would the motivation be for that? I don't know. And it's I hope not that even he blood magic either. Right? <laughs> I hope that he doesn't accidentally cast things on people. It's the same name. Maybe that's it. It's name magic. It's <laughs> deals in name. Yeah, it's a stretch. I also noticed that when he closed the door, his closed sign through the little window pane, all you could see was lose. Ah. So we're just going to say that's foreshadowing and he's going to lose. Yeah. Kyle said some great things here in his feedback he said interesting note the snow queen is the first major villain to not die as a direct result of rumple's actions although this can be debated if you trace back the events of ingrid's life to her first meeting with rumple in season two rumple manipulated snow to kill cora so that he would be healed from the poison of dreamshade in season three he sought to avenge his son's death by killing both tamara and zelena and he essentially killed his father, Peter Pan, by taking his own life with the dagger in the mid-season finale of season three. 
And now another, quote, villain, unquote, who is on the road of redemption is facing a possible death at Rumpel's hands with Hook's heart under his control. Plus, Rumpel has killed his first wife, Mila, and many others along the way. Many other people, that is, not many other wives. <laughs> no. So it seems as if the ultimate villain of the story is indeed the Dark One. Not Regina Mills, also known as the Evil Queen, as season one strongly seemed to suggest. I believe he will take center stage in the latter half of season four when he's freed from the dagger, which I believe will happen in the mid-season finale. Great thoughts, Kyle. I agree. I I kind of want to see Rumpel going <laughs> all dark side against the world. That just, that'll be cool, I think. I, or it could be really yeah. corny. <laughs> I I think it could be cool. I feel like that would be a really good final season because he's he's always kind of been a a villain throughout the entire show. He's never not been. He's never not been in, like this feedback pointed out in the background and orchestrating everything. So I don't know if they would take just half a season to explore him being the main villain. Well, they could take us as long as they want, I guess, if they start it now. But Yeah, and there will be plenty of other side storylines, no doubt. And like one of those side storylines is helping everyone in Arendelle to remember. But that may not be something that they really pursue. It might just be somehow Anna and Kristoff and Elsa get sent back to Arendelle and we just assume that they help everyone. There. I think and that's, that's probably how that, it will go. Yeah, they've done it's that like, before. Yeah, like we assume... Mulan and Aurora found out how to get Philip out of the wraith. Right. Check it out. I know Phillip it's totally. I thought we'd see that story or hear a recounting at some point, but no, he was just. Yeah, I guess we were just supposed to assume. Yeah, that definitely happened. We still could, I guess, because it would then be a flashback and true. It could be present, or it could be could be relevant later, depending on the actor's availability. True. Right. Well, and you'll hear in just a couple minutes from Hunter and Jacqueline as they share spoilers. So you'll get, if you listen to the spoilers, you'll get a little preview of what's to come with the second half of season four, as they are already filming plenty of that. Aaron, last episode, we talked a little bit about, or last episode you joined us, we talked a little bit about your visit to Steveston. Mm-hmm. Can you tell, just answer this question. Were okay. they filming this half of the season or the next half? The next half. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. They were filming the first episode of the next half. Okay. So 4-12. Cool. So there are... 4-13, I guess. So there are plenty of spoilers about the second half of this season, season, and Hunter and Jacqueline will be sharing those in just a couple minutes. But this wraps up our discussion of Shattered Sight. We'd love for you to continue the conversation by commenting on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 175. Or you can also go to the website, oncepodcast.com, and join the forums there and continue lots of discussions with a lot of people over there. Share your theories, comment on other people's theories over there at oncepodcast.com. Our schedule is going to be just a tiny bit different Next week, if you're listening to this before the episode airs, we'll still do our live initial reactions on Sunday, December 14th at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time. 
over at oncepodcast.com slash live. But instead of doing our live show for the full discussion of the mid-season finale on the 17th, which is a Wednesday, we'll be doing it on the 18th, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, over at oncepodcast.com slash live. But I recommend that you join us a little bit earlier at 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, December 18th, We'll be sharing, Jeremy and I will share our review of Into the Woods as we'll get to screen that movie. And I can't publish the review until later, but you can watch us record our live stream review of the movie and what we think of it and all of the fun fairy tales and songs that will be in that movie. It's looking like it'll be great. The movie comes out on Christmas Day and it'd be great for you to go see it at some point too, but we'll share our review. We can post it on the week of Christmas. We don't have to wait until Christmas Day, so you'll get to hear our review. And as we like to do with movie reviews, the first few minutes of it will be spoiler-free. So if you want to just hear, is this good movie? Is this bad movie? Should you go see it? Just listen to the first few minutes, and we'll tell you before we get into discussing spoilers. (laughs) As you know, we do. We have a very conservative spoiler policy here. And keep our feedback information handy for sending us your theories on upcoming episodes of Once Upon a Time. As a general guideline, put the episode title in the subject line of your email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. This podcast would not be possible without your kind donations and the kind generous help of our volunteers. Special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob helping with screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliascape moderating the chat room, and Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting the podcast with us. Please connect with us on Twitter at OncePodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Once again, comment on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 175. And until next time, you think the spell has made me angry? Do not wake my baby! (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to the sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and support what we're doing here and providing this podcast to you for free and hosting the website, the forums, all of this stuff, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. You can check out making a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the most, or even a per-episode donation through Patreon. You can also check out our uh, Amazon affiliate links for the United States, for Canada, and the United Kingdom over there and do your regular shopping through our links, and that helps support the podcast. Thank you very much for the support. Check out those options over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor.
Hey, Oncers, Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. And it is spoiler time for Once Podcast. So we've got the mid-season finale, Heroes and Villains, episode 411. In the aftermath of the Snow Queen spell, our heroes try to pick up the pieces and Regina has to make a difficult choice. Hook's fate hangs in the balance as Gold's quest for power threatens everyone he holds dear. And in the Enchanted Forest flashback, an intrusion during Belle's stay at Rumpelstiltskin's Dark Castle will wreak havoc in both the past and the future. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting episode. I think that a lot of our characters are going to be doing some interesting things. Yes. Um, we do have guest stars. So we've got Granny is back. Um, and of course, we've got Anna, Elsa, and Kristoff, but we have some new ones coming, making an appearance, their once appearance. Marion Dungray as Ursula, Victoria Smurfit as Corella DeVille, and Kristen Bauer as Maleficent. And that's really what the promo focuses on, is uh, the coming of these three new villains. And we're going to be saying goodbye to the Frozen cast. Yes. It looks like that picture... Remember how we saw that door just in the middle of nowhere? Yes. I think that's us. Yes. If you watch the American promo, then it looks like Elsa is actually walking through that door that we saw several episodes ago, how the Snow Queen got to our world. And it looks like that's how the gang gets back to Arendelle. And there's going to be a bit of a goodbye between Elsa and Emma. And that's probably the last we're going to see of the Frozen gang at least for this season. You never know. They could bring them back in season five to say hello or something. But I think this is probably it. Well, you know, there's going to have to be a new curse in season five. So they might have to come back. Of, of course. <laughs> but um, it looks like Mr. Gold says he's about to get everything he's ever wanted in the promo. So I think he's still thinking he's going to be leaving Storybrooke. Yeah. For a while of it. And there's one quick scene. It's a flash of and it looks like Hook is in pain. It's like his heart's getting squeezed or it's getting put back in. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Right. And I'm not sure if the hook without his heart storyline is carrying over to next half of the season. We know that Emma was going to go on a quest to help Hook get his heart back. I actually think the storyline might wrap up now because Emma was obviously suspicious at the end of fall that something was off when they said goodbye. Yeah. I think she might know. And there was one really cute flash in the beginning of the promo. We get to see a Dalmatian. A puppy. Yes, it's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for dogs. And it looks like Belle might be interacting with the puppy. And then you see a quick flash in the promo. It looks like Belle gets kidnapped because that's what happens to Belle. So I think that Cruella has some sort of history with Rumpel and Belle. It's just so cute. Oh, Yeah, the but, puppy's adorable. Okay, and then the end of the promo, of course, the villains come out to play. So we get to see the villains in their full glory before the season's over. Yes, and Maleficent does have the traditional headdress. They have changed her look from how we saw her in season one. So if you guys have seen either the Disney animated version or the live action version that came out this summer with Angelina Jolie, she does have the head wrap now that everyone associates with Maleficent. Cool. I like that. And Cruella looks exactly like Cruella DeVille. Yes. We're going to go into set photos in a minute. 
we don't have any photos. And it's really unlike ABC to not release any photos, especially this close to the, to the new episode coming out. They're probably going to come out later and after we've done talking about this. <laughs> right. They might come out later or I've actually seen them not put out photos before. So, yeah. But we did get a script tease and it's uh, just a short little bit that we saw between Belle and Mr. Gold. And uh, Belle goes, breakfast in bed, so I take it Storybrooke wasn't destroyed. Was she sleeping that whole time? I'm sorry. I think she was. <laughs> and I really hope they explain this because I don't understand. Either Rumple gave her a sleeping curse, knocked her out, magicked her. I don't know. But she okay. was sleeping that entire time. <laughs> okay, so she she's like talking about breakfast in bed. And then we've got Mr. Gold says, once again, heroes have prevailed. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. Okay, anyway. (laughs) One more tiny little thing from this episode based Mm -hmm. on the press release that Hunter just read about Regina having to make a fateful choice. We do know that there was some shooting down by, I believe, the beach between Regina and Robin. And we also know that Marion was around. Yes, she is a guest star for this episode. So. Right. There are a lot of predictions that Robin, Marion, and Roland are going to be leaving town. Aw, Roland's so cute. I know. That Robin is going to either choose Marion or Regina is going to push Robin away. And nobody has seen Sean McGuire on set since. So if you're an Outlaw Queen fan, I'm going to suggest you prepare yourselves. Yeah. That's so yeah. sad. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to move on. That's all we have for the next episode. But we do have a little bit of spoilers coming up to hold you over during this nice long break that we have. Do you want to talk about first Regina and Maleficent? Sure. So we got a little bit of a teaser from TV Guide a couple days ago that we are going to be seeing an episode that is solely dedicated to Regina and Maleficent, how they met and how they became friends. Uh, which I think will be nice because we haven't seen Maleficent in quite a while. And, of course, she was one of the characters that we were introduced to way back in season one when we met Regina. So I think it'll be nice. Okay, so and then we also have some set photos for episode 413. Yeah. And they show some of the villains, such as Cruella and Maleficent. Or not Maleficent, that's Ursula. Fully dressed up and walking around town. Yeah, and they even have the car. From, oh, that car is so cool. From 101 Dalmatian. So if you've seen the Disney animated version, then Cruella has her car that she drives around in, and the license plate says DeVille. And they've recreated that for Once Upon a Time. And she's also, of course, decked out in just fur everywhere. <laughs> yes, no spots. Right, that's... I'm really wondering how they're going to make Cruella this kind of villain when her story is that she just wants a fur coat. So Yeah. This will be interesting to see, but I think that car is so cool looking. Yeah, and Ursula is there and not in, you know, fins. She's got human legs. Yes. And so. I don't see Maleficent, so. Yeah, I don't know where Maleficent is, but Adam Horowitz recently tweeted out a picture of what looked like the entrance to a cave And it kind of looks like it might be one of the caves that maybe leads underground where the dragon was kept. Yeah, like, is she still the dragon? Are they going to change her from a dragon back to a person? That's what I'm wondering. That would be cool. 
Oh, I just noticed Ursula's shirt has got like scales on it. Yeah, she's dressed in scales. <laughs> Purple, black, and silver. Very cool. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And enjoy the break, oncers. Oh.